Hello and welcome to episode 315 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carasino. And we're coming to you in different locations this week. I'm in Seattle, Washington, home of the four-time WNBA champion, Storm. And I'm coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of Super Bowl 48 champion, Seattle Seahawks. Well, hello. It's only been a few days, really, since we last recorded because we did it on Wednesday last week. But it feels like it's been a very long time somehow. I don't know why. It does. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it with this week's beer. Uh, because we actually both have the same beer this week. We were able Hello. to coordinate that while we were getting barbecue. And on our way to our barbecue spot, we'll talk about it in a little bit here. Stopped at Two Beers Brewing Company. Oh, I forget what the, the Woods, is that the name of their, their tap room? And picked up their Deception Pass Summer Ale, which is honoring the 100th anniversary 100th of Deception Pass. Hello. State Park. Little did I know. And wasn't even aware that it was actually a state park. Uh, easy drinking, crisp flavor and aroma is citrus and pineapple. More pineapple than citrus. Light golden color. Base malts are two row and pure Idaho. And pairs with hiking, camping, kayaking, sunshine, and nature. None of which will be occurring during this podcast. <laughs> or in the city of Seattle or the <laughs> oh, Pacific Northwest. We got one nice day. Oh, cheers and to managed, the good day. Managed to get barbecue. <laughs> On that day. I'll tell you this right now, though. 100 years of Deception Pass. Uh, uh, this shit right here, this is the number one pass of all time. Wow. Yeah. Snoqualmie Pass, fucking bullshit. Terrifying over the winter. Terrifying to drive through. Chains needed, right? King what Five that? Yellow Jackets up there. Uh, 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 Grant's Pass, I don't actually know what that is. Uh, <laughs> Diotlov Pass, terrifying. The scariest pass in the face of the earth. Maybe you'll die from aliens. Landslide, nobody knows. I'm telling you right now, this is the kind of fucking pass that makes you feel feelings. When you're when it is sunny, and look, it doesn't happen often, but on a magical day in the Pacific Northwest, when it is sunny and you find yourself walking across Deception Pass, there is no better feeling in the universe. I will say I have made a lot of arguments about how I want to move away from the state of Washington in this last few months. The five hours of sunshine that we've had uh, uh, up until May 31st or over 70 degrees. But if there's one thing that makes me feel good about the Pacific Northwest, it's this goddamn pass, Deception Pass. How do you not know that it's a state park? You see it there? I, I was surprised. I don't though. think I've ever been on Deception Pass. At I'll least, tell you this. Certainly not as an adult. You've never been on Deception Pass? You, my friend, are missing out because there's no finer I am. No finer passes. You know a lot more passes than I know. I, I don't, I don't, you don't I know, need that many to know any other passes. There's only one pass you need to know, and that's <laughs> Deception Pass. I'm telling you right now, walking across that in the sunshine is an amazing thing. But they have a statue of a CCC worker, right? Shouts to uh, 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 Franklin Teddy. Franklin Roosevelt. That was FDR, yes. Yes. Uh, shouts to the good Roosevelt. Uh, they're probably both bad, <laughs> for being honest. Uh, but Shouts to, to 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 FDR. There's a CCC worker, right? There's a statue of one. So I would have guessed it was a little bit a little bit uh, younger than 100 years. But I guess the state yeah, park was set up confusing. even before then. Maybe the pass itself, but the state park predates it. The state, it? I the don't state know. park, yeah. Huh? Well, it's at at the actual like campsite down at Deception Pass State Park. Uh huh. 
I'm telling I'm telling you. Man, According to Wikipedia, one of the most visited Washington State parks with over two million annual visitors. It's not by you. Uh, the park's facilities were greatly enhanced in the 1930s when the Civilian Conservation Corps built roads, trails, and buildings in order to develop the park. There we so there go. go. We've learned a lot about a surprising amount about Deception Pass on this podcast. Also, the name comes from Captain Vancouver, originally exploring this area and feeling deceived by the size of the waterway between oh. the uh, the islands there. Apparently. I love everything about it. The name Deception Pass. Come on. You can't give me a better name for a pass than that. Also, speaking of the beer, by the way, a very light summer ale, 5.2%. So I know you're going to appreciate that. Uh, not much in the way of toast this week, but did want to toast the Seahawks uh, announcing on Tuesday that they've launched the Mental Health Matters program, which will focus on destigmatizing, normalizing, and encouraging conversations around mental health. According to Seahawks.com, the Seahawks will partner with the National Alliance on Mental Illness to provide resources and steps to get help, while also providing warning signs of mental illness and what to do when those signs are present, including steps to get proper help. So awesome initiative for the Seahawks here. And then also uh, shouting out a former Seahawk, we'll talk about in a second here. Uh, saw this from friend of the pod, Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic on Twitter. Oh, God. Bobby Wagner donated 75000 is an initial establishment of the Phenia May Fund named after his late mother, which will benefit two LA hospitals, assisting with patient rehabilitation efforts following strokes and promote stroke education efforts with Cedars-Sinai. So great stuff there from Bobby. So with that... We're going to bring back a feature that traditionally has been in March, but uh, I feel like is the sports calendar in Seattle evolves. We had, we had a lot on our plate in March. So we, we didn't make sense, but now it's a, a little lighter in the month of, as we finish May and go into June here. So uh, it's time to bring back the Pelton cast hall of fame with our class of 2022. And for the direct elect candidates this year, I think there was only one choice after their two choices. Well, <laughs> It was, yes, it was only one pair of choices after their simultaneous departures from the Seahawks earlier this offseason. Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, no brainer picks for the Pelton Cast Hall of Fame. Uh, and a pretty, pretty wild one. I mean, you're talking about possibly, not, not possibly, confidently the greatest offensive player in Seahawks history. And debatably the greatest defensive player in Seahawks history join the team on the exact same day. Is that right? Yep. Right. It would have been the second and third round join the team on the exact same day and leave the team on the exact same day. Right. This is incredible stuff that we're talking about. Was it Mark Twain who predicted he would die on his birthday? Right. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know if he predicted that. That is like what we're talking about here with these two players and how obviously they went to different places, but closely linked their careers are uh, and how much they achieved as Seahawks. Again, you know, like they're going into the Seahawks Hall of Fame. We don't really need to talk about them. We've eulogized both of these players uh, pretty significantly over the last few months, and we will continue talking about both of them because, again, we will be facing both of them in this upcoming football season. So there's going to be a lot of time to continue to talk about to talk about these players as they continue to play in the NFL. But I think the, the synergy of how they entered the Seahawks, how they're leaving the Seahawks and just what they represent on the team is pretty incredible. Well, I think the one thing we should talk about here is these two players in the context of the Pelton cast that 
you know, I, I don't think that there's anyone else who yes. has been on I, the team throughout the time that we've been recording a podcast. I really think when I think of Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, <laughs> their magnitude, what comes to mind to me is how you contextualize it through the history of the Pelton cast. <sighs> and that's the other thing is, you know, the honors that they've achieved as players on and off the field. I, I think that this is probably the most important honor that each of them has received. Look, I don't know how many times Lauren Jackson retweeted uh, when it was Hall of Fame voting, but she definitely retweeted the Pelton Cast Hall of Fame vote last year. So did she make it? She did make it. When she retweeted it, a lot of people <laughs> voted for her. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Bring her back! Bring her back! Uh, obviously, Bobby Wagner and Russell you made Wilson. it Don't like there's rumbling. Like, no, I there's there's that's not going to happen. Let's do this Q&A style. <laughs> but I, I think it's notable that, you know, we've talked, we talked about this when Russell Wilson got injured last year, that that next weekend, uh, the game at Pittsburgh was the very first time we were ever going to record a Pelton cast and anyone but Russell Wilson was going to start at quarterback for the Seahawks, which is unbelievable, unthinkable. And, you know, Bobby Wagner missed a little bit more time than that, but not much. Like basically every game we've talked about on this podcast has featured both Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And people are like, Cody Barton can replace Bobby <laughs> Wagner confidently. Well, no, we're going to talk about I've that in a second. I'm people. Uh, but the idea of who they're being replaced by, the impact that they've had on the team, it is just, it's a huge chasm. Um, for the Seahawks, both offensively, defensively, and I think also in the locker room and culture eyes, you know, like there's, there's no, this team has no identity anymore, right? There's nobody who stands out ahead of anybody else because it would have been if Russ is gone, it's Bobby. And if Bobby's gone, it's Russ, right? It is those two players beyond that. Well, I mean, fittingly, Larry Stone of Seattle Times does have a piece today about Tyler Lockett stepping into a leadership role in the Seahawks locker room. And look, they've still got veteran players and players who have been around a period of time, but you, it's a, there, there's levels to this shed. And Russ and Bobby were on a different level than anyone else. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, should we... that's, re- that's really it. I, I don't really know what else to say. And like, yeah. we've talked so much about them. We don't need to talk about Russell Wilson and his impact anymore. Bobby Wagner and his impact anymore. But uh, they're, they're immediate first ballot Pelton cast Hall of Famers. The second that they were eligible. Eligibility is... Uh, <laughs> well, we make it up completely. But so, uh, we've determined they were eligible this year. Therefore, they were first ballot eligible. I, I think once you stop playing for this, although I guess the number of Seahawks have come back for second tours of duty. So it's possible we could have to pull the Wagner Hall of Fame plaque down out of the rafters if he returns to play for the Seahawks. I think it's less likely in Russ's case. Uh, should we roll from talking about this? Oh, oh and uh, next week we'll introduce the candidates because then we'll have the fan voted pair of selections for the 2022 Pelton Cast Hall of Fame class. So we'll come up with four nominees, two in the sports category, two in the non-sports category, and get those votes going after that. Is that how we've done it in the past? I think so. I thought we did four in the non-sports, four in the sports. The the first year we had a much larger ballot because we picked two. We did two each director, or we did actually three sports, one non-sports, or one sports and three non-sports direct elect and then two and two in the fan voting. And then last year, Slick Watts was the direct elect candidate, and uh, we voted for one each. 
okay, can, can you run through uh, uh, everybody who who's in... been both the fan voted and direct elect? Everybody who's part of the Pelton Cast Hall of Fame so far. For those of us that maybe don't remember, <laughs> yeah, a, a refresher. It's a on refresher, the website. A refresher. You can and see this. Also, to know who we might want to elect for the future. Correct. It, we'll we'll take some nominations Cube, and, as well. And also, Cube ninety three, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Cube ninety three, all left on the same day. <laughs> wow. Equally as important. Uh, the inaugural direct elect class in twenty twenty was Ken Griffey Eric Jr. Powers. Okay. Cube 93, Loretta's Northwesterner in Taco Time Northwest. <laughs> then the listener voted choices that year were Blue I think Scholars. It was like full on that year was like, that was deep pandemic year, right? Oh, so yeah. it was just like any restaurant that we could go to, restaurant or bar, it's like that is in the Hall of Fame because we cannot go there and we want to badly. <laughs> I mean, I was no shade take Loretta's. Out. Loretta's would be a, a, a first ballot Hall of Fame, oh, of course. It was a no-brainer. I was going to take out from Loretta's. It was a, that was a staple back in the early what days of the pandemic. Some... Okay, okay. Keep, keep going. Wait, go through those one more time. That was Ken Griffey Jr., Cube okay. 93, Loretta's, and Taco Time Northwest. Okay. Uh, the listener voted choices that year were Blue Scholars and Rainier Beer in the non-sports I was going to say, Rainier Beer, how we didn't direct like them. Okay. And then in the sports category, it was actually a double nomination for one of them, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, and then also Brandon Roy. And then last year's listener voted uh, selections were, again, Lauren Jackson and Dick's Drive-In, along with Slick Watts is a direct elect. Okay. So there you go. Them, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, make up the Felton Cast Hall of Fame. Wow. We really have some brainstorming to do. We do. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we should probably roll in from this section to talking about a little bit of Seahawks. Deception not, pass for the non-sports no. categories. <laughs> Sadly, it doesn't get my vote, apparently. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> there are other deception pass stands out there. I swear to God. Oh, I can't wait to hear from them. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, oh, have we acknowledged the Pelton Cast geography from last week about tub water? I 100% when we were talking about Tumwater, I was thinking of Aberdeen. I've been to Aberdeen. I've never been to Aberdeen. Look, I know Aberdeen. I have been to Tumwater. I have dinner with Aberdeen. I'm aware of Aberdeen. But I don't think driving through a city, if you don't get off. See, that's the thing is you've gotten off in in Tumwater. I have not. Yes, I I told you offline. gotten off the freeway in Tumwater. I frequent I the, think... the Tumwater Costco. It's actually the most convenient Costco between here and Portland. So I like to fill up there on my way. The most convenient Costco between here and Portland is a motherfucking Tequila. What are you talking about? No, it's way away from the freeway. The Tumwater one is right by the freeway. You get on, you get off. It's super easy. And there's never much of a line for gas. It's great. It's sure, if all you care about is gas, but some of us are out there getting $1.50 hot dogs and oh. plus drink. I'm not disputing the merits of that. I'm just saying that's not what I'm focused on when I'm driving to Portland, Oregon to eat food in Portland. In my opinion, driving through a place on a freeway without getting off does not count as going to a place, though. Oh, 100% agree. Okay, good. No, no we're on the same page there. <laughs> what, what about a layover? Does a layover count? I don't think no. a layover counts as going to a city. No, in, like only if, you know, like... If I, I've been to Phoenix other times besides this, but my <laughs> flight got canceled one time and I stayed the night in Phoenix. That counted. Did you go anywhere? Uh, did you I stay went, in the airport. 
no, I went, I like there was, I went to a hotel and then I walked to the in and out in Tempe. It was my, my big, big outing of the evening, which is, I think also the only time I've been to Tempe. One time I was on a flight and there was, I was flying to Atlanta and there was a medical emergency and we stopped in, I want to say Fargo or some pl- great falls. Is that a place? <laughs> that is a place. You think there's Fargo. an airport there? I got to say Great Falls makes more sense than Fargo because I feel like you'd be farther south by that point on your way to Atlanta. I think it was Great Falls. They straight up did the like, is there a doctor on the plane thing? And I was like, that's not real, right? That only happens in airplane. But uh, so, yeah, I've been to Great Falls. (laughs) Okay. Well, good story. (laughs) Really nailed that one. I don't know. I'm looking at this. I'm not sure Great Falls makes sense as between here and Atlanta either, but it, it probably makes like more sense than Fargo. Look at the flight path, not as the crow flies, not <laughs> as you would drive. I don't think it's that big of a great circle issue when you're just flying across the country. So let's continue talking a little more Seahawks because last week, uh, friend of the third Pelton brother, Bill Barnwell, ranked these NFL's 16 worst off seasons. He bottom half of the league. Oh, he didn't. He didn't rank the top sixteen. Those are coming this week, later this okay. week on ESPN Plus. So those are considered the best off seasons. Correct. Okay. Your Seattle Seahawks checked in at number thirty-two on the list out of thirty-two teams, and this was like controversial among Seahawks fans. <laughs> a, a certain uh, uh, sector of Seahawks fans certain group of Seahawks fans that have really talked themselves into what a good thing it is for the Seahawks to be rid of the greatest quarterback in franchise history. Oh yeah. He's too flashy. All I cared about the, is the limelight. <sighs> uh, here's what Barnwell wrote as far as what went wrong. The Seahawks simply didn't get enough for a superstar <laughs> in the private Carroll. Oh, uh, you know, and while I held out some hope that they would then go after a viable replacement under center, they're about to head into 2022 with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their two quarterbacks. They went from having a true superstar under center to having two replacement level veterans and no clear path toward their next franchise passer. That's a disaster. Uh, Barnwell, of course, also in that what went wrong, criticized the decision to draft Ken Walker the third in the second round, as well as the Will Disley contract, which I feel like like so much <laughs> other shit happened. Barnwell's the- been listening to the Belton cast. He knows what's oh. up. <laughs> My God. <laughs> that the Will Disley contract sometimes, and God bless Will Disley, but that contract. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, so. Where did Kate Otten end up again? Tampa? That sounds right. What, how many Seahawks players didn't end up in time? Somebody, Tampa? somebody, you mean Husky players? Yeah. Somebody Huskies was drafted. I think, I it think is Kate, Kate Otten. Otten yes. I feel like they could have just swapped out Kate Otten for Will Disley and been fine. Oh, we've said, yeah, we've said that. I mean, there would probably yeah. be a slight downgrade in terms of experience. I don't know that it would Well, be there'd a, be a downgrade in terms of experience. Yes. <laughs> well, like, but sometimes when it's a declining veteran, it's not actually a downgrade. I'm saying that I don't think Kate Otten is likely to be as good as Will Disley next year, but I don't think the difference is going to be commensurate like with the difference in their salary. Though. So. Oh. And he got drafted in the fourth round, fifth round? Fourth round. But the reality is none of that shit matters. The Kenneth Walker pick, the Ken Walker pick, the Will Disley contract, none of that shit matters. Uh, Uchenna Woso, all these things are irrelevant because the Seahawks 
traded the greatest quarterback in franchise history. The idea that you could debate whether this was the worst offseason in NFL history, or sorry, in the NFL this offseason is baffling to me because I honestly think it was the worst offseason in NFL history. Like, I really don't even understand outside of external factors, right? Because there are external factors that have happened with teams. But as far as self-inflicted, the thing that you chose to do yourself, I feel like this has to be at least in the conversation for worst off-seasons in NFL history. And the thing that's really fascinating to me is like... Should, should we suggest this to Bardwell? <laughs> yeah, worst off-seasons in NFL history. I mean, I'd read, the, I'd read that piece for sure. I mean, it really has to boil down to, I, I think there's a difference though, right? Like if Peyton Manning gets injured as a neck injury and is gone, that's a, that's a difference. I mean, really you even look at like the Patriots swapping Brady it's going into a pandemic though. Like there, there was some questions around that one. Tom Brady is a lot old, decade older than Russ was at the time. I mean, the Herschel Walker trade immediately comes to mind as one of the worst moves and perhaps the worst move in NFL history. But I think that happened mid season, didn't it? I don't know if that was actually like the, an off-season The Saints move. trading their entire draft for Ricky Williams. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that the Herschel Walker trade happened in October. I feel like there, there's other... Like, you can make a bad pick. at You know, you can draft Jamarcus Russell or whatever. Like, the you can make bad picks. But as far as, like, a not... Like, a known commodity and moving on from a player like Russell Wilson at the point that he's at. And like, there's no injury. Wasn't a factor. Money wasn't really a factor. Like maybe the contract after next season, they were concerned with, but like, it wasn't a reason they had to move. Well, and also when you factor in, like you look at that schedule, what that they could have waited a year basically to Mm -hmm. have done this. I feel like, all of these and and also the replacements like really you just kind of keep stacking it up and you're just like bad 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 but i don't and know if you've thing, heard they they drafted good prospects in the draft this that's year. the thing that is the thing that really is so shocking to me is the seahawk the part of the seahawk fan base that is so confident in this front office or whatever that is willing to be like but they made the obvious pick at left tackle and it's like dog i swear to god it doesn't matter Right, you can look at Joe Thomas's Hall of Fame career, and I will I will point out to you, there has never been a Hall of Fame quarterback who never played in a playoff game, right? Like that is. I mean, the, that was a little circular, but yes. Is it not? I mean, I don't think who who's the greatest quarterback to never play in a playoff game? It's like Archie Manning, right? Like they they wouldn't pick him We're for going the Hall back of Fame decades, right? Like. There's not a current superstar. Fucking Baker Mayfield plays in the playoffs. Joe Thomas, right? I'm correct on this, right? He didn't play in a playoff game. Joe Thomas never played in a playoff. He must have played in one, didn't he? I guess he that, that one De- year, that Derek he? Anderson year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, fine, fair enough. Give it up for Joe Thomas. I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yes, it's just like you can make even. The- best possible draft pick at pick nine and draft the left tackle that everybody wants to draft. And it does not fucking matter. All of these other picks, every single other pick in the draft, none of that shit matters. And right, to, this, to, this Joe Thomas, who's a linebacker apparently for the Texans currently has played in seven career playoff games. Yeah. Uh, or both stand corrected. Wow. Uh, Joe Thomas. No, never played in a playoff game. Wow. He is. There really we go. The, the there Felix. we go. Is he? He's going to the Hall of Fame, probably, right? One would think, yeah. The Felix of the NFL. I mean, 
uh, if I'm reading this correctly, six-time first-team All-Pro selection. Wow. That is pretty wild. It it's it doesn't matter. Like that's the reality. Is you could do everything right, and if you fuck up quarterback, you're screwed. Like that really is it. That's carte blanche. Is that and, that expression? So they went ten and that. they went ten and six in the Derek Anderson year, but did not make the playoffs. Wow, that was a good team. And then the best record the rest Shots of his career Edwards. was seven and nine. It was the best year of the rest of his career. Wow. Well, the issue that the Browns had for all those years was not left tackle. It was quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we even identify that year. We're not like, that was the great Joe Thomas year. We're like, that was the Derek Anderson. year. We remember it because they had a competent quarterback for one season who took them to 10 and six. And when you fuck up that position, you fucked up the entire offseason. and the Seahawks did it worse than any team basically has ever done it. You know, we've gone through this over and over and over again of like, this was a basically an unprecedented trade as far as a player where Russell Wilson was at and where he was at ability wise and in his career, it just basically hasn't happened before. Yeah. So I feel like it is a legit competitor for worst offseason in NFL history. And the idea that you could just be like, no, 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 they nailed that left tackle pick, <laughs> right? Like it is, it's, it's just like, confused about what leads to winning football games. I mean, I think that there's a lot of confusion as to what leads to winning football games. Some of it perhaps in the front office of your Seattle Seahawks. And again, I'm happy with the left tackle pick. That's fine. But if they don't couple the, that pick with a quarterback at some point, it doesn't matter. Like at some point just... soon. Like 2025 is not good enough. <laughs> be better than joe thomas's career but i, I mean sure <laughs> but the like that's it that is it if you fuck up the quarterback position you've had one of the worst offseasons. and again like you can't say like the texans and deshaun watson like these things are very different and this was an intentional choice that the seahawks made to move on from russell wilson and they traded him when he was still maybe the the declining point of his prime but still in the prime of his career yeah, I mean, I think prime is the one thing you could potentially take issue with in Barnwell's comment in terms of it's very late stage prime at this point. I, As we talked about at the time of the trade, I do think I, that there is an element of an aging curve for quarterbacks and people are a little too dismissive of that concept because of the Tom Brady. Of aging curve. No, but Drew Brees, like but Drew still- Brees still was not as good at the end of his career as he was in his prime. What year, though, when he was 40, if you give me six years of elite level quarterback play, I mean, the Saints could have easily gone to the Super Bowl multiple seasons with Drew Brees when he was older than Russell Wilson is now. That's certainly correct. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't because they drafted it. I mean, they probably did. Teron Armstead, was he their left tackle? Yes. Uh, They probably did have very good offensive line play, but the reality was they had fucking Drew Brees and Michael Thomas or whatever. They ended up with a good defense as well. I agree that in a cumulative perspective, having a good defense is important, but any individual player, any individual draft pick saying that that is going to change something, being like, oh, well, they made the right move here when they drafted Boye Mafe. Like, I'm sorry, but that does not, you're talking about the greatest quarterback in Seattle Seahawks history and a speculative pass rusher. 
Barnwell did say he was on with uh, third Pelton brother, Mike Sean Dugar and Christopher Kidd on their their show on uh, KJR on Saturday morning. Mentioned he did think he would, the Seahawks were in the same tier as some of the teams at the bottom of the rankings. Uh, the Falcons were number 31 in there. The Cardinals How were the, number 30. What did the Falcons do wrong, per se? Well, they, they uh, were forced to trade Matt Ryan for like pennies on the dollar. What did they get for Matt Ryan? Like a second round pick? They get third. Oh yeah, that's pretty bad. But and it Matt was Ryan after their a... failed pursuit of Deshaun Watson. Oh God. I mean, it, look, if you want to talk about the worst off seasons, the Browns had the worst off season, but like, it's a very different thing as far as like on the field play. I mean, that fucking shit, right? The, the failed pursuit of Deshaun oh, Watson. The Kelvin Ridley suspension doesn't necessarily count against them, but certainly a factor. It wasn't their choice. Yeah, I still feel like they're probably going to next year with where Matt Ryan is now. I would guess that they're apples to apples, if not an upgraded quarterback with Mariota. Plausible. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they at least tried to address the position. The Seahawks did, they punted. Like the Seahawks did their favorite thing and they punted <laughs> on the position. Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to suggest so, the worst off seasons ever for Barnwell. I want to read it. That might be a reason to have him on. I would love to have. Is, see if he's up. What is it? Two a.m. Eastern. <laughs> Text him right now. <laughs> Barnwell, you up? Congrats on the wedding. You up right now? <laughs> want to jump on the pod? <laughs> I love your like typing. That's you texting Barnwell. <laughs> Look, you have an Android phone. I assume that's what it's like. No, I'm swiping. Are you still swiping? God, oh, you're damn right. Like I it's am. fucking 2010 out here. I'm very, very strong with the swipe. All right, let's continue <laughs> our search for. All right. Well, the Seahawks had the worst offseason in NFL history. Let's continue <laughs> our search for Seattle's best barbecue. Look, we're not having our worst offseason ever because we're eating barbecue. Oh, we kind of are. Remember those five hours of sunshine? Oh, fair <sighs> point. But we used some of those five hours of sunshine to go to Banco's Pit Barbecue, which I was thinking earlier. I feel like it's up there with the restaurants I've eaten at the most in my life. Like the the Dixon Queen Anne is a strong contender oh, for that. Yeah, but we probably went once a month to Pecos back in the Sonics days. It was like long predating me a Sonic spot that they introduced me to, and it's still two or three times a year since it's then. It's definitely for, like a hike from where the for Sonics. You, were. it's a hike. No, from oh yeah, from, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Elliot, like that is you're going from yeah. Interbay to Soto. That's like you've traversed the entire city. Well, lower queen it's yeah. deep like the Not drive from right to shoreline like that is you're you're working to get out there if you're an interview so there was i don't know if any of the the barbecue old heads remember this there was a place called steel pig barbecue oh that was yeah. next to Who, everybody the, remembers the steel pig okay that was next to where the Pagliacci is on 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 uh, Aurora there, which I I hit up that Pagliacci by the way unrelated on Sunday. Got they a, do slices, uh, now, right? Not just delivery. Not sure if they do, but uh, I got a. I was taking some pizzas to. We were watching uh, Game Seven with some friends. Uh, got got a pepperoni, 
and uh, then uh, which was quite delicious. Double pep. Yeah. So. What else did you get? That's it. It, that was not it, but now I can't remember what the You're other. You're like, hey y'all, can I bring you a little Woody's cheeseburger pizza? <laughs> I really thought about it, but I th- that felt a little too aggressive. I gotta say. Uh, anyways, yeah. So Steel Pig was much closer to the Sonic's offices, but and I went there many a time. But we still favored uh, Pecos was our most favorite barbecue option by far. Okay. So. This is an emotional one for me. Like Pecos has been Seattle's best barbecue to me for a long period of time, I would say. Certainly at least until, uh, you know, I think that it got real contention, contention from Jack's. I mean, there's some other ones that are probably in there, but those, are, those have been the main two over a period of time, I think. You can chime in at any time to agree or disagree here. <laughs> I I. I, I want to hear you say all the positive things about Pecos because I have, oh. I have nothing to say. You have nothing positive to say? Not in this very moment, no. Wow. That is very troubling. Uh, I think I got the DeVito Primo and then the uh, the spicy chicken was the, the DeVito split Primo? on the other one. Is that, is that one of their seasonals? No, that was uh, that's sausage, pepperonata, spinach, romano, and mozzarella. Hmm. I've never heard of this pizza. It was pretty good. I only had one slice of that one. Went surprisingly quick. That one went. I mean, it was a large the pep the dub, double pepperoni, the extra pepperoni, and then it was a medium of the other two. So there wasn't as much to go around. But that one went quick. Well, you say surprisingly quick because there's certain foods that you have as sort of like entry level foods, the ones that were favored by the employees of the Seattle Storm, <clears throat> and then you have foods that are a little bit more advanced level foods. And what we're talking about mm. with Pecos Pit Barbecue you is you understand that the. the 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 people I was hanging out with, I mean, one of them only worked for the Sonics, not for the Storm. Uh, but of the five of us, three worked for either the Sonics. That's or the Storm, why you so. had to add the qualifier. Surprisingly, <laughs> I, I was just surprised because I thought the chicken would be popular as well. I ended up taking taking a few slices of that home, and it was quite delicious. I think that Pecos Pit Barbecue is entry level barbecue, oh, and this is an offensive take. It, it partially a because it's so barbecue sauce dependent and b like the it's not prepared like the kind of like you wouldn't say this is any region of barbecue right these that is oh not true let me talk about our research a little bit all right tell let tell me, us you, about, let me give the back tell me about the the region that has bad barbecue please jesus this is you're embarrassing yourself here i'm is what you're doing i'm not this is the Seahawks offseason takes. Uh, so Pecos was opened by husband and wife duo Ron and Deborah Wise on First Avenue, operated of, out of a uh, former gas station across from what was then Sears, now Starbucks HQ, in 1980. Historically, it was a simple menu. Shredded pork and brisket sandwiches, later available in shredded or Pecos style or sliced brisket. Side hot links and a very limited number of sides highlighted by beans. But the real star, as you mentioned there, was what they call, quote, the only sauce, which has a kick even at the mild level and is unlike any other barbecue sauce that I've encountered anywhere else. No kick. So what did you get me? Did you give me medium? I got you medium. I mean, I don't know if you read the bag correctly and got the right one, gave the right one to Mrs. Fantasy Genius. I read the bag correctly. Uh, so the Pecos River flows through West Texas. 
So my assumption has always been that this was like some sort of West Texas barbecue style that I didn't know about. But I looked it up, did the research tonight. West Texas barbecue is a thing, but apparently it's much more grilled rather than smoked. So it's nothing like this. This actually appears more akin to what I saw described as East Texas barbecue, which tends to focus more on sauces and primarily on sandwiches rather than like a slice of brisket is as common with Central Texas barbecue. What is an East Texas? <laughs> I mean, it's over by Louisiana. I mean, Houston is in East Texas. I don't, I don't know that necessarily that's the home of East Texas barbecue per se. I think there's a lot of very good food that's in Houston. I'm not sure if that food's barbecue. I mean, I think there is good barbecue in Houston. Yes. I'm not sure it necessarily is like Pecos. Central Texas barbecue is the king of Texas barbecue, though. We're we're not disputing that, right? This is no. I I I was I really wanted to be blown away by it, and when I started, when we started eating barbecue fairly heavily, I want to say. 15 years ago something like that i feel like pecos was a really special barbecue place and over time as i've traveled the world have had a lot more barbecue this barbecue stayed the same and i grew up like that's the reality of it is my my interest in what i wanted from a barbecue place changed over time and this is beef that is not that juicy not that flavorful on its own the sliced beef should be the best sandwich it should be phenomenal the beef should be good without the barbecue sauce. No, first off, no one has ever told you to order the sliced beef. I have consistently if, told you to order the Pecos beef because rule of thumb, order what's the name of the I didn't even know. I did not know that the shredded beef was called the Pecos beef, but I, I have. Well, not I'm sorry. Been... They they have a menu available. Okay, it's if, right there on the website. The beef... that, that, that's not like on me. That's on you. Well, I'm trying to get it as close to brisket as I can. If the beef doesn't taste no, good sliced, you have to no. Beef you have to divorce yourself. Sliced, it doesn't taste good shredded. I'm sorry. I mean, you're just first judging off, you're barbecue just, sauce, you know that... dude. Barbecue sauce is fucking easy. I've had a lot of barbecue sauce in my life. None of are none we of the rest doing a search for Seattle's best barbecue sauce? But you're aware that pulled pork comes on sandwiches, right? Like you get that's the thing. You could just get the pulled pork. Very juicy. The smoked turkey sandwich, the smoked turkey au looked fucking amazing. I would have rather had that. This was dry ass sliced beef with some average barbecue sauce. I'm sorry, but like, it wasn't good. I I will say. This particular day was not nearly as good as I had Pecos. I think that was like a month or it's two ago. It's always the other day. Always the other day is better. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Chief. I was there. It was classic Pecos barbecue. This was not classic Pecos I barbecue. Used... This was franchise shit, which we need to talk That's about. That's what here. we're talking about. Okay, you're agreeing with me but, here. But I'm saying. This tasted like franchise shit. This tasted like I'm in West Seattle, right? I'm out on the coast. I'm out on the coast in West <laughs> Seattle. I stop by Pecos, whatever. I joke. <laughs> what do they call the, the franchise location? Not Pecos Pit. I, I think they still call it Pecos Pit. Yes. What's the one in, in uh, the market? That is called, uh, let's, Pike Pit. Pike, Pike Place Pit, whatever. I'm sorry, but the, but the, the location in West Seattle is still picked maybe up the quality has gone down. It's been franchised. Maybe that's I the had case. it again. I had it two months ago. They didn't do the franchising within the Why last. Why was eight this weeks. franchise shit? But that wasn't then. 
I, I can't I don't judge know. it. All I can judge it upon is based upon the barbecue I had today. I'm not judging it in my memory of working for the Sonics and Storm in 2007, right? We didn't just draft Luke Rittenauer, and I'm excited about it. You're judging your fucking <laughs> memories, and I'm judging the reality here, right? You're Jerome James ain't Luke walking Rittenauer. through that door. Okay? One of those things occurred in 2007. <laughs> so, it was... God, I'm old. Oh, no. <laughs> You are correct. Not as old as me, but yes. Uh, so about seven years ago, Red Robin founder Jerry Kingen uh, purchased the franchise rights to Pink Guys <gasps> with the idea of creating like grand proclamations about building a, a nationwide, you know, franchise chain similar to what Red Robin has become local local burger chain. Red Robin. Uh, so, so far that has resulted in the Pike Pit sister location at Pike Place Market in the location in West Seattle, which... Because it's so not in... that good. Red Robin, look, Red Robin is a unique place. There, There's like, you can understand what Red Robin is. The quality of food at Red Robin is better than the quality of food at Pecos Pit. And it's more accessible to a larger group of people. And you can be like, okay, I understand. Like, I'm getting bottomless fries here. There's there's a culture around it, right? There's an understanding. You're questioning this? Look, Red Robin's great. I, I don't dislike Red Robin. But no, I've, you give me the choice between going to the original Pecos location and Red Robin. I'm taking Pecos 100 times Not out of 100. Close. I'll go so to any Red what Robin I was going to say. Bullshit. Congrats to you. Well, the fucking marketplace. Uh, from, you, from the last I heard, we live in a capitalistic society. For better or worse, whether we want it or not, we do. And capitalism has rejected Pecos Pit. I don't know if I would say that. I, it's also they still possible exist. that they are still capitalism in business. has rejected Jerry Kingan's efforts. Uh, what I was going to say is I've lived in West Seattle for almost a year now. I have zero times been to the West Seattle Pecos Pit. I've only been once what, in my you, life. See, you I have can't even say at whether least, it's worse, though. I have at least three times. I went once before, and that was enough. Uh, I have at least three times, probably, in that period of time, been to the First Avenue original location. So, like, I, I think it's like, I think it's possible. Again, today was a bad day. I don't know what happened. But it's possible to me based on previous experiences that it's like a zealous where the farther you get away from first Avenue and that gas station, the worse it gets. Okay. Cause we were exactly at first Avenue in that gas station today, but I'm saying I did of all the times in my entire life. Again, I told you been there as often as almost any restaurant in, in my lifetime. That was the single worst sandwich I have ever had at that location again including a couple of months ago. okay so so what you're telling me is you're judging it for what it could be and i'm judging it for what it is no i'm judging it for what it has been every single other time i went there that's because not, i understand the concept of sample size that's not what which you lectured is. me about this on this very podcast last week on about jacks i think that was about yes about the fundamental attribution error <laughs> wait what I lectured you about I guess what? You, I guess you didn't know you were doing that, but that's what you the were doing. The fundamental what now? <laughs> <laughs> Organ! <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the website also lists a Federal Way location as coming soon. Uh, so sure under this franchising, does. the menu has diversified pretty significantly from what it used to be. They've added chicken 
as you mentioned, the occasional turkey. That actually, that uh, looks a variety really of options. I have to say, I'm like still kind of feeding for that smoked turkey IU. Well, apparently, it's I, I don't know how frequently it's available. The, the turkey they say on the website is only available Friday, so I'm not sure about that. It said it's the, you can, the sandwich of the month. I see, sandwich of the month. Uh, a variety of options for the base besides the traditional potato bun sandwiches. Uh, you can do it on like a sweet potato, on nachos, a couple of days a week burrito, which I went back and looked at our score in the search for Seattle's best taco slash burrito. It was actually pretty positive on that one. Um, among other things, uh, they've also added mac and cheese, coleslaw, and potato salad as sides. And in a tremendous change from what Pecos was like for many, many years, they now take cards because it used to be like, oh, we bullshit. have to figure out who has Fucking cash. Bullshit. I'm telling you right now, if that, I mean, shit, that's the thing if about that shit is accessible and you know it's bad. Well, the only place that has I mean, stayed good through taking cards is dicks. <laughs> yes. Uh, one shock for me today. Okay. No more of the trademark sporks, which presumably are not compostable, so they just gave you a fork and a knife. The reality is, if you're willing to go through the process of being like, I'm either going to go to an ATM or I'm going to figure out how we, I mean, can all, like the... how we can all pool our cash together to get this food. That's how you know it's a good food. But if you're right. like, I can use a credit card for this, it, it's fine. That's a mid-level food, right? I mean, every food in the world now, you can pay with credit card. But there are some foods that are harder to get than there are other foods. And I mean, it, we talked about this last exactly, week. Exactly, the... but this is a different, this is a slightly different thing. This is not just, look, gatekeeping is good. We all agree. But like, I mean, didn't uh, other coast was was other coast cash only at one point? I feel like it might have been. I don't know, but the reality is, if you want that shit enough, you're gonna find cash. And in a world where there's no cash, if you're willing to find cash to get that food, that food better be fr- pretty fucking good. If today, look, I didn't pay for it at all, but like, if today you were like find cash to go to Pecos, I'd have been like, you know what, dog, I'm good. I'm just gonna go to Jack's instead. Well, especially after eating it, I guess that's the reality because. Again, I went into this wanting Pecos to be good, but what you're telling I me is I disagree that you did. I really did. You were in it. You were in agreement that this was the worst Pecos experience we've had. Yes. So I, I'm literally just judging it. I haven't been to Pecos. Not going to close the book based on one bad experience after having dozens of good experiences, and also one very bad experience the time that I ate two sandwiches, <laughs> which were both delicious, but that was a bad idea. But you're not necessarily disagreeing with me. If you let's say about today, if uh, on the day they were not very good. That is what I'm, I'm just saying. On. I have not Sometimes... been to Pecos in years, and so this day is really uh, when I judge it on the day. I say to myself, "Look, I'm caught up on fucking Top Chef. My whole my whole worldview, my palate, etc., is different. And what you... what I once I no no I I'm not. This is this is, this is me is you talking, but. I'm saying, but again, I, I like I didn't. My palate did not change that much in the two months since I went there. I'm just saying, I I would think to myself, maybe this wasn't as good as I thought it was. The other thing is the mac and cheese. I didn't was have really it. quite phenomenal. Mrs. Fantasy Genius ate it all. She ate the entire it, cup. She didn't say there was a there was a well. That's probably a statement about the mac and cheese. There was a remarkable ability within that cup of mac and cheese. It was like all the top layer that gets crispy and a little bit burnt, and that's the best mac and cheese we all know. See, I like a creamy mac and cheese. 
I mean, it's got to be creamy underneath that, okay. but you want a little bit of crispy crisp at on the top, top right? Underneath. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. That sounds yeah. great. I wish, wish right, well, she hadn't eaten all the mac I'm just saying right now, we look, we've only been to two barbecue locations. This one for me is not even in the same conversation as Jack's. I don't disagree with that. I don't agree with that assessment, but I do agree that it's number two so far. Out of two? <laughs> yes. The barbecue that you it. admitted to that today was not good. You willing to say it's number two? I look, maybe they maybe they make the bracket. We'll see. But I'm telling you right now, like we know that Woodshop's gonna be ahead of them. We know that Roro's gonna be ahead of them. I I've been to Pecos a hundred times in my life. I've been to Woodshop once. We'll see. We'll see. I went once. I never made it back. It's a lot harder for you to go to. You're not judging the fucking. You live. You it's not take that much harder. You know. You know what White Woodshop is right fucking near. What? Quickback Food Mart, and I managed to make my way to Quickback Food Mart three times. Recreationally, recreationally, months. how many times have you been to Quickback Food Mart? I'm waiting. Well, zero. I'm putting my ear to the microphone. I I I also didn't choose it. Your fucking lies have been exposed here. Just, you made it there because we searched for Seattle's best fried chicken. You will make your fucking way there to Woodshop after we search for Seattle's best barbecue multiple times, probably three times, because we're compete. It's going to be competing for the championship of Seattle's You've, best barbecue. Have you even been there? Yes, and it's great. Okay. What are you what? even talking about? You went there for a search, and now we're starting to search for Seattle's best barbecue, and you're throwing it out? You're being like, oh, I made time to go to Quick Pack when you made time for the same situation? I'm just saying, I went to Woodshop. It was never a priority to get back there. It didn't excite me that much. Dumb. We'll let the listener decide. <laughs> we just have to go go there and eat the barbecue. Not letting the listener decide. The listener wasn't there with us today eating that barbecue. Maybe it's good other times, but all we could do is judge it on the food we ate. That's not all we can do. No. I haven't been. When was the last time I went to fucking Pecos? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the Sonics were fucking going to the fucking conference finals. You're like, this team will never be sold. They'll never move. And you're like, I'm going to eat my Pecos barbecue here. Howard Schultz, high five. That's what you're judging this on. I just can't imagine that anyone would trust the verdict of someone who voted against Loretta's. Uh, Hall of Famer, Loretta's. Loretta's was bad that day. Well, then that was a, that's I, a bad I, way to judge things. I, but I've been to Loretta's many other times because... That's Lo- the Lo- fucking point I'm making! Loretta's that you can understand that something could to. be bad on well, one day and tavern- still be amazing food. God damn it, I'm so bad. <laughs> Even if the tavern... <laughs> is bad and you know what the fucking pecos today was way better than the quick pack i had the last time i went there that's why i didn't did you have a thigh i did have a thigh i called ahead no you didn't and it was still cold because they had made it right away even though i told them it was going to be a half hour you should have fucking called 15 minutes out that's on you you know when to call i have to time it precisely during my fucking drive that's way too difficult The best food is difficult to get. I'm sorry that you called quick back too <laughs> early. If you would have called at the exact right time, that shit would have been hot and fresh. It would have sizzled in your mouth, and it would have been the best goddamn chicken thigh you ever had. You're <sighs> a mess. But I, seriously, I, I, I have to go to fucking Pecos every single week for 10 years to be like, now I can <laughs> yes. judge Pecos. 
Yes. Right? Yes, That's stupid. <laughs> I've been to Pecos the same time that a normal person has been to Pecos, which is not that much. And you saying I'm not normal? <laughs> you're, you're judging nostalgia. I'm judging reality. I am not judging nostalgia. Again, I was there two months ago. Do you want me to figure out which fucking day I was there previously? I can look I, it up. But no, you weren't judging I'm sure it I posted about it on Instagram. You weren't judging it as critically two months ago. You, There's a difference between how you eat when you're judging for Seattle's best food and how you eat when you're eating recreationally. Oh, that's preposterous. This is the second place we've gone to. We haven't learned that much about barbecue. It's not about learning that much, but it's like you're thinking a lot harder about how good it is. I, I'm thinking hard all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> you're just like... <laughs> You're riding so high. God. From your fucking, like, you just started working on the Sonics website. You're like, I have my dream job. This is my life now. Sonics traded for Ray Allen. Everything's great. <laughs> and and that's what you're judging it on. Well, some of us didn't get to live through that time. Some of us worked for the Seattle Storm. Okay? And we're fired. <laughs> not fired in cold blood still lit up fired in still cold blood from the Seattle storm and that's maybe why we don't like Pecos Pit Barbecue it was on April 5th I went there wow the April Fool's apparently they've gone downhill well, since April 6th 2022 that, you weren't judging it it's not that you it's not that they've gone downhill can you, can you see me can the listener see me rolling my eyes at you <laughs> Like, I can't fucking tell whether food is good or not okay, if I'm not in the middle of a back. search. Put them back. You know what? I went, to, I went to Maono on Monday. I still managed to tell that it was a good fucking sandwich, even though we're not actively searching for Seattle's best sandwich. Stupid. Maono what, actually what, what is a good I? sandwich. You're not judging it based upon... Oh, you didn't think they were the best either, so you continue to not. be wrong about everything. I'm going to go to fucking Tats. I really want to. <laughs> I mean, Tats would be great. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Oh, I want to go to Tats. Bring me back to the office, people. God, were that I had an hour-long commute every day again. I could get Tats once a week. <laughs> All it right, would I think be it's worth time it. For, I think it's time for your favorite segment. Wow, after all this. <laughs> Don't burn yourself. We got Mariner's hot takes coming at ya. You know, this past weekend saw a couple of comebacks for franchises that haven't been successful for a couple of decades. And you know what? Last season for the Mariners, it was, that's some of the best baseball I've seen to date, right up to the part where they got killed. This season, it was time for Maverick Rodriguez and Goose Kellenic to buzz the tower. But so far this year, they'd lost that loving feeling. Their ego was writing checks that their hitting couldn't cash until they got ugly. Talk to me, Goose Kellenic! But after that, things turned around, though, with Slider Lewis and Iceman Tremel. Remember, boys, there's no points for second place. And this weekend, those boys turned and burned, winning three of their last four dogfights. You know what, Iceman Tremel? You could be my wingman anytime. Wow. Truly something. As you mentioned, Mariners took two of three from the Astros, outscoring them 13 to three to complete their homestand last weekend. And then Tuesday, starting their series in Baltimore in this road trip, a 10 nothing victory 
is George Kirby got his first career win throwing six. Is that for real? Because he's got some innings. pretty good games. Uh, I think it was no decision in his debut, which was also maybe scoreless. I almost couldn't do that because I'm still so mad about your Pecos takes. <laughs> You're just like, judge this based upon my personal experiences that I've had, not based upon when you went to go judge it today. I'm saying you're like, I'm, I'm, think... a, I'm a real look, look, judge, judge. That's what we'll stick with. I'm a really good person, except for that one terrible thing that happened. <laughs> Can we just, you know what? He was a good kid, really good kid, misunderstood. That's what you're talking about. I'm saying that, I mean, look, it's hard for you to be Seattle's best food unless you're consistently great. But if, Every time I've had it, it's been great. And one time it was bad. My assumption is that it was something off on that day this was rather the than that the food has in, in the last six weeks, seven weeks. Yes. This was it. This was the worst Pecos you've ever had. Again, excepting the time I had two sandwiches, <laughs> which was not Pecos' fault. They do not advertise that you should eat two sandwiches. That was all on me and maybe on my, my coworker, Jason Hansen. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I happened to go there on the time that it was the worst Pecos you've ever had at any time in the last two decades. It's a tough beat. Uh, Seattle Sounders. <laughs> tough beat. <laughs> We're just moving on. Came from behind Sunday against Charlotte FC after conceding in the 21st minute off a free kick. Jordan Morris with the equalizer <sighs> in the 72nd minute off an Alex Roldan cross. Just as game seven of Celtics heat was ended. <laughs> and then uh, I flipped over and saw Raul Rui Diaz with a Galazza to win it in the 80th minute from just inside the box. Uh, deserved victory, though, as the Sounders dominated in terms of expected goals. Uh, Sounders now up to 500 in MLS play for the first time all season. Still only 10th in the West standings in points, but uh, have climbed 7th in points per match, which would put them in a playoff position. Uh, just two points back of the three teams that remain tied for seventh in the standings with two matches in hand on all of them. Sounders off this weekend as part of the international break. Morris and Christian Roldan headed to join USMNT, among some other players getting called up. Uh, O.L. Rain just like got a gorgeous look. Most of the time, UW beats Montana. For almost all of the games for the last like hundred years, they've beaten Montana. Look, it was thirteen to seven. It was close. It was close. yeah. If you're judging who's the better program, you shouldn't judge based on just that one game, should you? You should judge on the longer sample size. If you're gonna have a sample uh, size of losing to Montana, maybe your program ain't as good as you think it is. Okay, so Montana is the better program. You've said it. Uh, gorgeous Rose Lavelle flying header for the only goal on Sunday is the rain again. Went over the wave. At home. You have anything to say to Wave fans? Hello! Take that shit, Wave fans. I'm I'm mostly only personally concerned with Wave fans who were at the match in the city of Seattle. <laughs> I'm fine with the San Diego With Wave, Wave the concept of them having their own fans in yeah, San Diego. Yeah, no, there's nothing personal against the Wave. It was I just thought it was funny, the idea that there would be a traveling Wave fan. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of a fierce rivalry between the rain and the wave. I feel like that's part of it for me. Uh, rain, again, pretty dominant in terms of shots with a 14 to 6 edge, albeit just four on target. They played that one without Megan Rapino due to a back injury. There may also have been some close contact concerns after her fiance, Sue Byrne, entered the health and safety <laughs> protocols on Friday, as we'll talk about in a second. Well, 
So far, I've tested negative and have no symptoms. So uh, despite an extended interview with Super on Thursday, <laughs> uh, seem, seem to uh, have, have avoided that. Uh, Rain now up to third in the NWS All-Standings after back-to-back wins. We'll look to keep it going on the road on Saturday facing the Chicago Red Stars. Two points back in the standings, but uh, do have two matches in hand on the rain. Mallory Pugh leads of the U.S. Women's National Team leads Chicago with three goals in four matches thus far in the regular season. If you did get COVID from Super, the name dropping would never end. It's, I mean, it's if you're going to get COVID, it's the most baller, not the most baller way, but it's pretty most up there. Baller Big OL Rain news at halftime as they announced that uh, former NWSL MVP Kim Little returning to Seattle all alone from her current club, Arsenal Women, starting on Wednesday, lasting through the beginning of the 2022-23 season for Arsenal. This move reunites Little with coach Laura Harvey, who was in the same role when Little starred for the then Seattle Rain FC from 2014 to 2016, leading the team to a pair of NWSL Shields as regular season champions and winning MVP her first season in Seattle. Uh, per the Sounder at Heart Rain blog, Ride of the Valkyries, Little won't apparently be around for the end of the regular season, let alone the playoffs, because the uh, the uh, Arsenal season will have begun by then. But we'll add depth and talent for the heart of the NWSL schedule, especially as U.S. women's national team is in action and some of the team stars are involved in that. So, you know, not, not as exciting as a full season loan, but uh, important nonetheless. We have to talk about uh, the showdown that's happening this Sunday as well. What's that? Pelton v. Caracino. Oh, you're going to put that here? Well, I, I don't First know. First off, by the way, I don't know if you've seen the forecast for Sunday. Oh, God. Pelton v. Caracino v. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that rain. Not R-E-I-G-N rain, but R-A-N. As always in the city of Seattle, that's that's the showdown that exists. That's <laughs> the real enemy at all times. Pelton for Pecos. Pelton, Pelton's memories v. Caracino's reality v. Rain. Uh, Someone who loves the kingdom is really making that particular point. It's just a great stadium. Look. Memories versus reality. Uh, so, assuming, I think we just have to do it one way or another, right? Rain or shine, basically. But Baby Fantasy Genius. We can't call it the Summer Classic, necessarily. <laughs> uh, well, let's call it the Baby Fantasy Genius Birthday Classic. And there have been two managers nominated for this game that's going to happen, right? His birthday party. All he care about, cares about is baseball, right? So, of course, he doesn't play enough baseball in the six days a week he's <laughs> playing baseball. Let's add a seventh, right? It's a great day for baseball. Let's play a seventh consecutive day of baseball. A classic Sandlot game scheduled. Classic Sandlot game. And two, with people of widely varying ages. Oh yeah, ages and abilities. Two managers have been nominated. You v me. So I mean, it had to be that way. Oh, we're gonna see what happens. We're, it's gonna be it's gonna be Team Pecos versus whatever whatever your team is. You talk to your team and see if you can nominate them as Team <laughs> Pecos. Have fun with that. <laughs> uh. I've been thinking about the rules, though, right? Because this is a children's birthday party. There's going to be some kids who are very into baseball. There's going to be some parents who are very into baseball. And there's going to be some kids who have never played baseball before. So you proposed everybody hits. You go one time through. 
the order every single person on the team hits. Initially, I, I did propose this before I heard exactly how many people were likely to be involved, I which was a larger number than you than I thought I had heard you say. I think we could have like 10 to 15 per team. I'm not sure exactly. It depends on how many parents want to play. But I've, I've really been some done some scheming on what I think is fair. And I think an amount of outs, just because there might be, there's going to be a lot of defenders. Let's say there's 15 players in the field. Getting hits is not going to be easy, right? Yeah. So I actually, now that I think about this, I think that it makes the most sense to go through the entire order each inning. So irrelevant, okay. no outs. We're not tallying outs count in that the player doesn't advance on base. But I think that you, the only fair way to do it is like, and you kind of have to pr- like figure out how you're going to stack your lineup because it probably makes sense to have a very good player in the last spot in the lineup if that last person is going to have to clear all the bases, basically, right? Like there's going to be some sense. strategy involved for the managers, you and I, in this game. But I do think that the best way to do it is just every single person hits in the order because we're literally going to have like five-year-olds hitting in this game. So if we did three to five outs, like those players would, they'd probably get out basically every time. I was thinking of just doing no stealing. Uh, every player has to be batted in if they're scoring a run. Yeah, no leadoff, no stealing. No yeah. leadoff, no stealing. All other baseball rules, generally the same. No strikeouts, no box. <laughs> I'm glad you specified no box. Yeah, that's an important rule. <laughs> I was planning to step off the mound with the ball in my hand. Are you planning on pitching? Cause no, I know. I was, I just, it was just for the joke purposes. I, <laughs> I think we're going to be like the Savannah Bananas out there. We're going to learn some dances. I'm going uh, to f- fake the throw over to first, and I'm not going to actually be on the on the rubber. <laughs> hidden ball trick is very very accepted in this game though uh <laughs> i feel like anything that happens i was gonna say the middle movie little big league but rookie of the year is is acceptable in this one does that seem good as far as rules though yeah okay i'm excited to see this is the ultimate showdown look we thought it was pecos pit versus pecos pit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there a fence in the field we're playing at? Yes. Could I plausibly hit a home run over this fence? I think you will be likely to hit a home run over this fence. Oh, wow. If you get a hold of one. I mean, you might only get two, three at-bats. Right, right. That's the thing. But, like, it's not, it's probably, like, 150 the fence, maybe even shorter. Oh, I think that's that's closer than the the fence at Southern Heights that I cleared a few weeks ago. You didn't hit every ball over that fence, though. No. No. But there will be like from I think there's going to be an extraordinary disparity in in terms of ability because again there's going to be adults who are like semi pro baseball players and there will be five year olds and somewhere in between that on that spectrum lie the the fabulous Pelton brothers <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm trying to win this with my managerial ability though. I'm trying to win this with pure power. <laughs> okay. Like getting a hold of one. All right. Well, we'll be ba- we'll be back soon. I was thinking three innings. Does that seem like too many? That sounds about right. Okay. We'll be back so, next week to update who wins Pelton v Carasino. You make it sound like the podcast is over. We still have a couple more segments to go. I know. I know. Just it, just to put a bow on this. Luca's birthday has nothing to do with it anymore. <laughs> It's just about much bigger than that. (laughs) Blood feud.
the same feud that led to us not recording a podcast from 2014 through 2016. <laughs> I always remember that baseball game. Lucas' second birthday. After his second second birthday baseball game, we were just like, that's it! We're done. <laughs> it almost it almost times out. Uh, Seattle Storm, uh, without Sue Bird, as well as Stephanie Talbot and Ezzy Megbagor, all of whom were in the health and safety protocols last week, uh, got a pair of wins over the New York Liberty at home, a 79-71 win in overtime on Friday night. Uh, you said you tuned in for the end of this one, correct? Oh, yeah. The overtime game, the first one? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, the storm kind of ran out of steam offensively in the fourth quarter with a lead forcing them to go to overtime, but then took control in OT, which was, it was convenient for me that it went to overtime because it was right after I got done recording a podcast after Heat Celtics game six. Name dropping. I didn't even say who the podcast was with. <laughs> Could have been with me. It was not. Uh, then on Sunday, with a couple more days to adjust to the reality that Bird and Megalgore, who had both been ruled out and placed in health and safety protocols on the morning of Friday's game, were not going to be there. Also had an additional player. Kayla Davis joined as a hardship player for the second time, uh, joining Kiana Williams, who, as I wrote about on ESPN, flew from San Antonio, found out at about 1030 Central Time Friday morning, flew, drove to Austin to the airport. May or may not have had bar. No, did not have barbecue. Had the sandwich, uh, and flew to Seattle in time for the seven p.m. tip off for the storm on Friday, uh, and they both played extended minutes on Sunday as the storm blew out the Liberty ninety two sixty one. Big time offensive performance from Jewel Lloyd. Great all around performance from Brianna Stewart, who was really huge on Friday. Uh, I saw the AP voted her Player of the Week in the WNBA, although uh, the WNBA Western Conference Award went to Asia Wilson instead. Uh, so the biggest margin of victory for the Storm this season against a struggling New York team, despite playing without two starters. So pretty impressive in that regard. Uh, Storm should have everyone back, hopefully, by the time they next kick the court on Friday. And then it's kind of a busy stretch for them to close out this eight-game homestand on which so far they are 4-1. Uh, Friday, they host the Dallas Wings. Sunday, it's the Connecticut Sun who uh, entered the season as perhaps the favorites in the WNBA. They were my championship pick. Uh, Las Vegas is running away with the league right now, including beating the Sun earlier Tuesday on ESPN in a, a major showdown. Uh, Sun also lost their starting point guard, Jasmine Thomas, to a season-ending ACL injury, so they're still kind of regrouping from that a little bit. And then Tuesday, it's the Atlanta Dream and Ryan Howard, the number one pick in the draft, who was for a long period of time number one in my wins above replacement player metric is a rookie before Stewie surpassed her over the weekend. So we'll be good to see uh, a few of those games, more of those games in person. I was at Sunday's game, uh, my third game of the year. Wrap up quickly with UW football because we got start times announced for the UW non-conference and Friday night games. The Huskies opener versus Kent State will be on FS1 at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the next week against Portland State on the Pac-12 Network at 1 p.m. And then the marquee matchup hosting Michigan State will be at 4.30 p.m. on ABC. Both of those Friday night games at UCL on September 30th and 
home against Oregon State on November 4th will start at 7.30 p.m., the first on ESPN, second on ESPN2. So already a couple of late-night starts for the Huskies, but <laughs> plenty more. More to come. <laughs> yeah, more to come on that front. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just lost to Kent State, but, like, it's a good program. <laughs> Solid. Again, I'm not going to say they're a worse program than Kent State if they lose the opener. With all due respect to Don James's time there and Gary Pickle's time there. Yeah, it's just like, you know, Kent State just game plan for them really well. They just came out and won that game. But the team, the, the core is really solid, really solid. <clears throat> Good foundation. Now, I, right. I look at the schedule. I look at the schedule and I'm so hyped. Right for for Husky football. Wow. Oh, I mean, the Kalen DeBoer era. Like, who wouldn't be hyped for this? Right. True. You you look at having potentially three experienced quarterbacks going into the season. At least one will probably transfer by then. But having three experienced quarterbacks going into the season, even if one, you know, whomever ends up winning the job in you know summer camp or whatever, if it's Michael Penix Jr., if it's uh, if it's Dylan Morris, if it's Sam Heward, whomever it is, right? Whoever wins that job is going to have been through a legit competition and then have a couple of easy games. I swear to God, like this team is going to fucking destroy Michigan State in that game. <laughs> You're that optimistic. Oh, there's. Well, I don't know if you heard. The Spartans lost the engine of their offense last season. Oh, yeah, just, they absolutely did, right? So, yeah, he could have been a, a, a be first, first round pick in almost any other, any other draft. A lot of teams were looking at him. Uh, but. The the reality is, I I think the Huskies have they obviously have a couple of easy games before then that they obviously should win and I think probably will win. But a team like Michigan State is they really found this is the first time in like two decades that they found the exact right level of non conference opponent. Interesting. Wait, you don't think when Boy I guess they they did destroy Boise State in the first game but at Husky Stadium, Boise's... but the next year was was a very competitive game when Jake's, Jake's first year, but yeah, the maybe Boise state, but like I'm talking magnitude too. the fact that it's another power five team. Yeah. Yeah. Bo- yeah like, Boise state is one thing. I mean, they found look, when was the last time we had a, an exciting team come to Husky stadium and obviously Michigan was supposed to come here in 2020 and that, that just didn't happen because of the pandemic. Michigan but, state is not an exciting team. That's, that's what I'm kind of what I'm saying is like, well, they're not like a top tier team, but they're still, you know, they're a team that was, in, they beat Michigan last year. Like they're, they're a legit ass team, but also a, a beatable legit ass team. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, again, I think it is the, they've finally figured it out scheduling wise. It's not like a, a lower division team and it's not a team that is going to crush them. Right. This is, <laughs> this isn't Auburn. This isn't LSU. This isn't even Notre Dame or somebody like that. Like they had so many years of being overscheduled, right? Where it's just like, but then they kind of been underscheduled for a certain period of time, or at least all the difficult games have been. They just lost to Montana. Or on the they road. weren't underscheduled. They just lost the fucking game. They went into Michigan and played. Did Michigan make the college football playoff? Yeah, yeah. They went. They they were overscheduled last year. They were not underscheduled. But I'm saying in terms of the home games, like they haven't. Who, who's the most exciting team they've played at home since Boise State in the first game at Husky Stadium? Non-conference, yeah. Is it? I mean, there was like in, some Illinois games in there, maybe. I don't know. I don't Does know. Syracuse come here? No, not Hawaii. I, again. They found the they found the balance. They found the exact Michigan State is the UW of the Big Ten, like, <laughs> right? 
Are they not? <laughs> I, I'm very curious. It would take it would take offense to that, but I'm sure someone would. This is not insulting. Sides. This is a compliment. UW is a very good it. program. Like UW went it. to five also, consecutive Power Six games, didn't they? Michigan would would fucking love to not have that had. many consecutive New Year's Six games now. How many? Three. Only three. Three. It was the last three years of the Jake Browning era. Hmm. Okay. Because it didn't go his first year. They went okay. So it was the pe- and then they peach definitely didn't peach fiesta rose in those three. Correct. Games. Okay. Whatever. Like Michigan State would be which. By the way, Jake Browning did nothing wrong. But Michigan State would be happy to have had the last decade of UW football. Yeah, that's probably true. But very few teams would be happy to have had the decade preceding that. They, they just, they, this is it. They found the right team. And it's the perfect situation to be like, Michigan State, who do they play? Who does, do you know Michigan State plays before they come in? Uh, I think some, some directional schools from the Midwest. <laughs> Some it was tel- part of tel- my board geography schools. <laughs> oh, uh, Western Michigan and Akron are their first two games of the season. I really hope they don't blow one of those two, because Michigan State's going to come in with probably a pretty nice ranking. UW is going to beat the shit out of Michigan State, and then they're going to go <sighs> off after very that. optimistic. This is the Kalen DeBoer era. Jimmy Lake ain't walking through that door. We're actually going to throw the ball down the field this year, but. Uh, they're going to come in. They're going to be ranked at a nice spot. UW's going to beat the crap out of them. And then they will slowly fade in the Big Ten and the win will look less impressive. But that won't change things for us because people will still judge it based upon when it happened. Michigan State most recent ESPN preseason rankings, number nine in the country. Oh my God. When we get to beat the fucking crap out of a top 10 team, it is going to feel good. Win. What? I didn't realize that, you know, the replacement for Ken Walker is uh, Jared Broussard, who was at Colorado the last couple of years, transferred there. Do you see the Marvin Marvin Harrison Juniors at Ohio State? I am familiar with that, yes. That is not. I don't. I watched the... <laughs> is that okay? Uh, yeah. I watched the, like, the entire Ohio State-Utah game. He had like seven catches for 70 yards. Did not hear his name one time. That <laughs> did not register to me that Marvin Harrison was playing in that game. Marvin Harrison Jr. All right. Well, on that note, I'm weirdly excited for a college football game in September. A little too excited. Just don't make me eat any more Pecos Pit barbecue. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 315 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carasino. And we're coming to you in separate locations this week. I'm in Seattle, Washington, home of the four-time WNBA champions. Storm. <laughs> you good at that intro? You want to you keep that there? You want to do that again? <laughs> I thought it was fine up till that point. Until the long, awkward pause when you couldn't remember the four-time WNBA champions. Until they couldn't remember them. I know. It's called drama, damn it. <laughs> I forgot that I'm supposed to see. To the, I often forget the Cusano School the name. of Acting. <laughs> Wait, what did you? What did you say? Is that not his name? Did you say Pete? Gene. Okay. Yeah, no, I Gene is his right. name. All right. Wow. The only Pete I know is Pete Weber. Um, Hello and welcome to episode three fifteen. Oh, we're starting of- it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy.
boy. This is you lost my Jim Kuzno line. No, no, we're gonna keep that in. Okay, God, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> I don't know if Pete Weber and Gene Kuz and I got combined, but because be you delightful. called me, you thought I said Pete. That's what I heard through the headphones. The I, I don't know what to tell Pete, you. Pete Seeger can fuck himself compared to Pete Weber. <laughs> not expecting it. It's Pete funny that Seeger's those are the first slander. two Pete's that I thought of, not <laughs> the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Or the former, not not technically, first name Pete, former head coach of the University of Washington. I feel like <laughs> at this point, maybe we should just, this should just be the pod. I don't know. I don't know if we should re it. Start over. Just put this at the end. Oh. <sighs>